This is Steve Sherlock with another Franklin Matters radio show, number 476 in the series. This session of the radio show shares my Talk Franklin conversation with Town Administrator Jamie Helen and Marketing Communications Specialist Anne-Marie Tracy. We had our conversation via conference bridge to adhere to the social distancing requirements of this pandemic period. We talk about the reopening changes effective March 1, the town's vaccine readiness, uh, we're ready to deliver when supply is made available to us from the state. We take a quick look back at the school committee meeting and the FinCom meeting before looking ahead to the set of meetings beginning March. Uh, community Preservation Committee, School Committee Legislative Forum, both on March 2nd, and then a trio of meetings on March 3rd. The Board of Health meeting, the Economic Development Committee meeting, and the Town Council meeting. Links to the key topics covered here are included in the show notes. The recording runs about 38 minutes. So let's listen to my conversation with Jamie and Anne-Marie. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, WFPR.FM, anywhere on the internet, and 1029 on the local Franklin area dial here for another Talk Franklin session with our town administrator, Jamie Helen. Jamie, happy Friday. How you doing, Steve? Nice, sunny, beautiful. Looking forward to a nice walk this afternoon in the warm weather while we have it. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have it for a little while. Yeah, well, we had a little bit of wetness over the weekend if the forecast holds. But, you know, it's New England. It's going to change anyway. So <laughs> I'm good with wet as long as it's not too chilly. <laughs> it's much easier to shovel that way. That's for sure. <laughs> well, the, the snow and ice budget is, uh, has been uh, climbing this year for the town. We gave a report earlier this week. But... Um, from a financial perspective, which is almost the entire way I look at snow and ice now, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think we uh, we're we're in good shape if uh, we can limit the snow here through March. March starts on Monday, so for sure, uh, for sure. It's nice to see a ten-day forecast in the forties. Yes, and of course, Anne Marie Tracy, our communication and marketing specialist. Before we get too far down that road of town business, welcome. Happy Friday Hello. to you too. Happy Friday to you, Steve. I'm I'm totally on board with the snow meltage. Um, it makes me happy to see grass in my yard and uh, just feels feels nice. Um, you know, to, uh, to feel the sun a little bit. It just I I know we're not there yet, but it's no. getting closer no. and it just feels good. That might be one of the themes as we're developing and talking through this, but, you know, March is bringing, you know, April showers eventually, but March is also bringing spring. We're starting to reopen as well as changes coming on the COVID pandemic front. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's lots of goodness happening. We still have to take it slowly, but yeah. we're, we're on the right path at least. Yeah, we are. I mean, I think, you know, I think folks still have to be a little patient. Um, you know, both vaccines as well as reentry. Obviously, this week was a great announcement by the governor um, to go back to phase 3.2. The town of Franklin's been back in the yellow for almost a month, um, you know, after the uh, post-holiday spike, <clears throat> um, which has been super. And, you know, even announced the possible phase four, um, you know, at the end of March, if all things go well, which means possibly opening day at Fenway Park, um, some of the local theaters and, and uh clubs and stuff can open up and uh, obviously the, the best news is um, the fact that um, retail can increase their capacity and that restaurants can go back to no limit on capacity as long as tables are six feet apart so 
Uh, I think at this point, the governor made it clear that this is a privilege, not a right. Right. Um, and that he's reserved his right to repeal or not move forward. So I think if people just keep doing the same things they're doing and obviously more free people from Franklin can get vaccinated each week, um, you know, uh, you know, hopefully by um, the time we get to Memorial Day, um, you know, we'll be in a good place to uh, get back to a new normal, at least for, uh, for the spring and summer. Yeah, we were in pretty good stead till we hit the holidays. And then obviously that kind of blew up the numbers. Uh, hopefully we'll come down and stay down and not get blown up when the April vacation occurs as well. You know, we're still kind of early. So far, the February vacation hasn't hit us yet, but the number we're kind of early to see those numbers too, though. I think it's a little early, but I mean, I think just in general, you see the cases going down. Um, you know, obviously the hospital data is another metric that I think the administration is using and wisely about, um, you, know, you know, medical capacity. Because you know, remember a year ago, there was a lot of optional surgeries delayed. And, right. You know, so the healthcare system kind of has their own issues that they got to kind of work through. Um, but overall, I think as we look, you know, again, I, I'm usually a little skeptical on March because, you know, we kind of want it to be spring and warm in 55 and it <laughs> never really is. Uh, it's a tease. It's a tease month. Um, for but sure. you know, you're sitting here on March 1st, you're looking out at 40 degree plus weather for 10 day forecast, you know, restaurants can go back to almost, you know, a, a large portion of almost all their capacity. Um, you know, hope recreation programs are going to expand. Um, the library is going to be back open again, you know, at some point this month in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I just think that we have to take that good news and, and translate it into some hope. Uh, coming down the line, as frustrated as people are with the vaccine rollout, you know we're all, you know, we've all, we've all done our backseat driving on this one. Um, you know, passenger seat. You know, I think the end of the day is is that there are people that are getting vaccinated every week. There are more appointments. The supply just went up a, a fraction this week. The president of the United States announced that you know he purchased 400 more million doses. Pfizer and and um, Moderna have you know, announced they're going to get some more doses out to the federal government in March, which we expect in April or therefore after. Mm -hmm. And the introduction of, of Johnson & Johnson having a vaccine, you know, again, you know, it's, it's still waiting federal approval. <laughs> so, you know, the idea that that vaccine's showing up next week, people have to, you know, be able yeah. to take it step by step. Uh, but all positive news right now. Um, you know, we just have to remain diligent, obviously. And, and, um, Hopefully it's sunnier. There's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And as I joke, but serious, you know, hopefully we'll get back to summer concert season and it won't get canceled. <laughs> I have a lot of tickets that were left over you from too. last year. <laughs> yes. And my wife and I want to go start seeing some shows, uh, seeing people. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed. Know, and, and a soccer game. That would be nice to see in person. Soccer game. You know, <laughs> I haven't gone to a Red Sox game in a few years, but I like want to be there on opening day just to be yeah. outside in the ballpark yeah. seeing live stuff. Well, the um, Polar Park in Worcester, the new home yep. for the Paw oh, Sox, will right. be opening. And, you know, I, I would prefer to go to Pawtucket because that's where I grew up. But okay, I have to go see the Woo Sox instead. <laughs> Are the Woo Sox opening in April? Is the park opening? The park is supposed to open this spring. I haven't seen a more you know, definitive date, but I was in Worcester last weekend and it was, while it was dark, cause I was like five thirty, six o'clock, 
the park is there. <laughs> As opposed to the hole in the ground, the last time I was in Worcester, there is a ballpark. <laughs> it's exciting. I have to agree with Jamie. I, uh, just on a sli slight side note, sending out and, and doing communications about reopening and um, but the positive changes is certainly a lot more fun yes. <laughs> than um, yes. putting out information, you know, that that's just feels more negative. So I feel like um, even just hearing the announcements and sharing the announcements of, of the positivity of our numbers going down just puts me in a better mood just in general. Um, mm -hmm. just, but then also, like you said, remembering what got us here, you know, remembering all the things that we have to continue to do Correct. in order to keep going in the direction that we want to keep going in. And obviously the vaccines help in, you know, countless ways, but uh, we still have to still have to remember we're not, we're not out of the woods. No, we're not, but we're making progress and I'm looking forward to the day and maybe you've already thought of it, you know, you've already got the Ben, you know, do your part piece with the mask, etc. Having yeah. a video of him kind of dancing, I, I, that, that, <laughs> everybody will like that one. <laughs> There's a lot we could Everybody do will be ben ready image. to dance. There's a lot we could do with Ben. He's so much fun, um, and everyone loves him. So um, that's been those have been a lot of fun to work on, and I'm, I think people are enjoying seeing Ben in a number of different uh, ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As the chief always jokes, Ben Franklin is is awful for social distancing, and um, yes. I think we're all looking forward to the day to give him the, uh, the cute pooch of a big hug. Yeah, hopefully we'll have them at maybe summer. We'll have them at concerts in the common this year. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So looking back at a couple of meetings this week to give some plugs to dial into the replays as they come up to Franklin TV, listen to the recordings as they come up on Franklin Matters. Um, but there's a couple of key sessions from the school committee meeting that you and uh, uh, both the chief and then Kathy Liberty talked about the vaccine. And then you also spent time with Mike D'Angelo on the ventilation update. So those are all good pieces that if people happen to miss them, they shouldn't. Yeah, well, I'm happy to hear that, Steve. I mean, you never know how people are going to react. But if you're a teacher out there or a listener or related to one, I mean, both myself, the fire chief and the board of health director gave the uh, school department and the school committee and the public uh, update on vaccines, um, you know, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, if you do the numbers, um, you know, and if the supply doesn't substantially increase, um, you know, to get through, you know, 65 and older, two comorbidities, um, and 75 and older, which we found out this week, only 56% of those over 75 have gotten the vaccine. You know, I, I just see that as, as the bulk of vaccinations for the month of March. Uh, again, barring any unforeseen circumstance or, um, you know, uh, something else that, you know, comes the governor's way uh, of some demographic that needs to get addressed. I mean, I think you're looking at, uh, you know, a wide, a wide scale uh, statewide teacher uh, vaccination effort, probably in April at some point, you know, and just logistically educated guests. Again, don't shoot the messengers. This is, this is just the town administrator. Mm -hmm. You know, looking out in the future and trying to look at the data and try to do a little prediction, you know, it'd be a convenient time to do most teachers on, on school vacation week. Um, and hopefully other municipal staff can get done at the same time, uh, you know, because I think that, um, you know, custodians, technology workers, uh, our assessors, a lot of other staff that are in people's houses, they've been in the public way all year. 
um, you know, even to some degree having more public interaction um, than some of the school department employees. You know, it'd be right. nice to see municipal employees get into that batch. And, you know, it's still six, seven weeks away, but, um, you know, as I look at the numbers, it looks like that. But please, if, if there are listeners out there looking for more details on the numbers and stats that we presented, uh, you know, I know Franklin Matters um, and, uh, and Franklin TV have recordings and audio of all those meetings. And people should really take a listen to that. We also gave an update on the um, what's called the UVGI, which is ultraviolet uh, 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 technology. Franklin became the first community, uh, the first city or town, and the first school building um, to have this state-of-the-art technology in the Commonwealth. Uh, we are not aware of any of this else going on behind the scenes. Uh, our facilities director, Mike D'Angelo, is the genius behind all of this. He's been working on this since last April. Um, just to give people an insight, this is just like come out of nowhere. Um, Mike and his team have been, have been, have been essentially creating um, networks that are going on right now at almost all major colleges and universities like BU, Harvard, uh, UNH, Northeastern UMass, uh, you know, even smaller institutions, um, Amherst, you, you know, they're all getting in this game of using uh, technology. Even better news is um, we were allowed this to be paid for under the CARES Act. So mm -hmm. all of this retrofitting of our buildings, uh, which will eventually be replicated in all buildings, uh, municipal, the schools, fire police, senior center, library, um, you know, is going to be there. And why is it so important? Um, this is ultraviolet uh, technology in the return ducts of our buildings, which has a 99.8% kill rate of viruses and bacteria. Um, these buildings will literally be some of the safest places you could possibly be from all bacteria and viruses. And, and we felt this was important to get ahead of this because we feel like eventually this will be the new baseline and could be something that's even mandated, much like or optional like sprinklers were 20 years ago in a lot of buildings, right? right. It's going to become possibly the new industry standard um, in terms of good uh, public health uh, policy um and uh and allowing our teachers and kids and parents and employees and, and citizens to come into our buildings and and feel an aura of mental security and safety and comfort that if they are back in a room together um that anxiety that we expect to continue post-pandemic um will hopefully be addressed and um you know we're crunching the numbers and the data right now uh, mike's got uh, all the meters uh, throughout the school just checking on um how it's all working um, all the filtration that they put in every classroom was also there. Uh, Anne-Marie is going to be posting the Mike's presentation um, shortly. Uh, you know, for, for the layperson, some of this might be over their head. Um, but that's what you get when you get an experienced engineer and his sister is a microbiologist. Um, and so I got to assume that this is what these, what these folks who are that brilliant at what they do talk about. Uh, but it's really cool stuff. I mean, there's going to be hopefully a story in the paper this weekend about it. Um, and I think it's just another shiny example of how Franklin does business. Uh, we don't go for the bare minimum. Uh, you know, we're trying to far exceed that for our citizens. So uh, pretty cool stuff. And I'm sure that audio, again, is available. Uh, Franklin Matters. And uh, school audio was shared this morning. Um, and I'm paraphrasing one of Mike's quotes uh, and touting the accuracy in terms of the 99.8, whether 
it's way up there. It's not quite a hundred percent, but it's way up there. And while it was, it was a cool quote, and I'll paraphrase, he says, I, I'm not going to prevent somebody from sneezing in the classroom, but if they sneeze, at least we'll be able to take care of the air as it flows through. And that's where we're addressing. So yeah, we still need to do what we need to do, whether it's mask or distance, whatever. And clearly that'll take time and adjust over time. But it's not just for COVID. Clearly any airborne illness is going to get cleaned in this process. So this is setting us up for the future. We were always taught anyway, before all this pandemic, if you're going to sneeze or cough, cover, cover. it up. Right. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you go back to like the 1940s and you yeah. see this innovative technology called washing your hands. And, <laughs> and, and, and you realize this is really the biggest, if you don't want masks and these things, why don't we try covering up our sneezes, covering up our coughs, mm -hmm. washing our hands when we go to the bathroom before, or the, um, the extraordinarily uh, cutting edge uh, technique of washing your hands before dinner. Um, you know, if we do all those things, you know, we, we should actually do a really good job. We won't have to have all these policies and disinfectants and chemicals. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, really cool stuff, Steve. I, I appreciate you putting on the list and really encourage people out there to go check out those, uh, those presentations with some cool, cool information. Yep. And closing off schools briefly before we move to another topic. And I think you posted a newsletter this week. I, I did. And speaking of um, Mike's presentation, it's actually in the newsletter. So if people want to find it, you can find it there. It's also posted on the reopening website. Um, I know there's a lot of talk in, uh, right now in the community about the pooled testing initiative, yes. initiative that's happening. So there's information posted about that as well on the reopening site and also in the newsletter. Um, there's a lot going on, uh, but people can certainly access it and find the information that they need. Uh, the newsletter is posted on our website it's on our social media um so if anyone wants to continue to get it it's not just for people who have uh students in the schools the schools affect our our whole community so right. we encourage citizens even if you don't have children in the school district to sign up and and make sure that you're aware of what's happening in the school district because it does uh, have an impact on the whole town absolutely yeah and that's one of the things i keep saying from time to frequently keep saying is that you know people should be aware of what's happening in the schools because schools effectively is 60 percent of our budget so even from a financial perspective we need to know what's going on because that's going to be a driver and speaking of finances <laughs> segue into the uh fincom meeting uh no real actions per se but a lot of good information and the second pass that i would encourage my fellow residents and neighbors, et cetera, to listen to that debt and borrowing overview. Uh, you may have seen it. If you didn't see it at the town council first, you can hear it and see it second here. And it's a lot of great insights as to how we're fiscally prudent and have just one step below the highest credit rating available to a municipal entity. Um, we, we, yeah, it, it's a great presentation by the treasurer collector, uh, Carrie Bertoni. Um, you know, everybody worked hard on it for a while. Um, you know, this was a request from a lot of folks about getting a departmental update. Um, you know, you know, gave an overview of what types of debt and borrowing we do. Um, we tried to keep as, 
high level as possible without mm -hmm. boring people um, into a lot of municipal law. Um, this is you know, highly regulated stuff. You just can't go out like the private sector and do all these things. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at uh, one step below a perfect credit rating uh, or bond rating, excuse me, uh, AAA. Um, you know, we're still making the case and the push for that. Um, obviously this year, uh, our budget overall, the success of our enterprise funds, our financial audits and the passage of the Community Preservation Act are all factors we're gonna really, really pump uh, up to S&P and, and um, Moody's and, and see if we can't convince them that we're on the brink of doing something great. Why is this important? Um, it saves taxpayer money at the end of the day. Um, it's really about interest rates. And yes, interest rates are low right now, but when you're at the level that we're at currently or could even do one step better, uh, we're looking at a sub 2% interest rate right now for borrowing we're doing uh, for some of the fiber and, and technology things and uh, items in, um, in May. Um, and we're looking at a 175, one and a half. Last year, we went out to borrow for a few things. We got 1.33% interest rates. Mm. Um, you know, those types of rates, you, you borrow money because um, you know, you can oftentimes make more money if you put your money aside into another uh, investment portfolio for the taxpayers. So uh, it's a cool, it, I hope everybody again uh, gets a chance to take a look at that. George Conley, the vice chairman, always makes a plea um, and says, I, I don't understand why more people don't visit the finance committee. These are, these are not extraordinarily subterranean depth dives, but um, they do ask a lot of poignant questions. I think, George, it was nice to hear the Finance Committee appreciate um, the, level of, um, uh, the level of information that's given at Finance Committee meetings. And, you know, it, it was, a, let's see, it was probably about 75, 80 minutes, um, you know, a fraction of a council or a school committee meeting. <clears throat> but there's a lot of information in there that people would really feel valuable and really encourage people to go take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, the notes for the my notes for the meeting came out today in Franklin Matters. I'll have the audio tomorrow. So I because I haven't played with it yet. It's it's a, I would agree it's about 75 minutes, which is certainly less time than a full council meeting, which has tended to go over three hours. School committee meetings generally are about three hours. So yeah, this is kind of the short story and they don't spend the entire time on the debt and borrowing. We're highlighting that here, but there were a couple of other worthy updates in terms of the fire department ambulance rates. <clears throat> it was interesting as well to see that clearly to the FinCom's credit, they asked questions that weren't asked at the council meetings. So you do get, listening to both, you do get you know the best of both effectively. You really do. I think that's actually a good point. And you know, one's an elected body and one's not. Um, and that's the checks and balances that are in the system. Um, and so you do get different perspectives from it. And I think the conclusion I would, I would suggest on this is um, the town of Franklin is in excellent financial shape. Um, yes. Sure, there are some operating budget challenges that'll continue to come out each year. Um, but overall, uh, our staff do an unbelievable job of managing our financial portfolio. And, um, you know, a lot of all credit there goes to the department heads and the way they manage their budgets, uh, and the way that they um, know their needs. Um, and uh, you know, really, the staff does an unbelievable job keeping track of this stuff. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have another successful year. Yeah, and just to 
put one other point to it as we put this to bed for now. Um, the one reason why they didn't have any action specifically in a normal process, the FinCon would get a financial item to approve before the town council does because they were meeting once in the month and they were meeting after the council. The council took action before they got to it. But normally that wouldn't necessarily happen, but it does happen from time to time. But And just as a quick follow-up, this is a great point really quickly. In this case too, if you read the, if you listen to the fire truck portion, the update from the fire department, timeliness was, was critical in the, this case. Was critical in the case yeah. of the fire trucks. Um, you know, it was almost a once in a lifetime deal. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that needed to get in the queue uh, for the uh, finance. You know, once you get the approval, doesn't mean you just go buy the trucks. Um, you know, the finance team has to go to our uh, bond council and a variety of other folks. It's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes relative yeah. to borrowing. So time was, timing that, was critical. Yeah, needed to start that ball rolling quicker to take advantage of the big savings we're going to get out of that. So, yep. yeah, for sure. And looking ahead, there's a bunch of meetings coming up this week, the first week of March, as we kick off March. I have the Community Preservation Committee going. This will be their first meeting, first agenda. I think it's five o'clock uh, on uh, this coming Tuesday, March 2nd. Yep. Um, and um, you know, the first order of business is obviously organized and find the chairman, vice chair, and, and uh, clerk and uh, see what happens with that. On the agenda, people go look at it, um, put a, a whole slew of homework assignments on for everybody. Good reading about, list. Absolutely. About a thousand pages of reading. Uh, Not quite a thousand. Studies. But... Oh, I don't know. If you add them all up, I think you might. Well, it, it may put some people to sleep, but it's not a thousand pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, even that architectural report on the South Church uh, is about uh, quite, a, quite a haul. Yeah. Um, but, um, but a lot of great information there. I'm looking to get see that committee start to uh, form. Um, it'll be a, a Actually, I think in the long term of the town will be kind of a historic day of uh, the first nine members in, in town that'll be on that committee, and, and we're looking forward to a lot of progress. After. Mm -hmm. Then the school committee gets the legislature dele delegates, so Rep. Roy, Beck, Senator Rausch, um, and Senator Spilka may or may not make it, but I know she's got a representative covering for her if she doesn't. Um, to that same day the same day so you can Thinking go back. back to back via zoom yes we planned it that way yes <laughs> we actually swivel did. seat swivel well, seat. well if you're on zoom you know i actually it's i'm glad you said that both meetings are via zoom correct yes um so they are fully remote just so that the record shows that um and they are so you can just do a pivot uh, from one to the next so uh, you know i don't know the details on the legislative forum the school committee does this every year uh, I'm sure vaccines and student reentry will be hot topics, uh, as well as student athletics, uh, who have had quite a week. Um, and so uh, hopefully people will tune into both of those. Great opportunity to ask questions out of your uh, legislative leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and just like we were talking about before, this is um, the legislative forum is to update the Franklin community. So it's not, again, limited to people who have children in the district. Um, so we're hoping people will take advantage of the opportunity to hear from and talk to and ask questions of our legislators. So the links are available online on our social media. Um, it went out in the newsletter as well. So mm -hmm. um, we're hoping that people will, again, like I said, take advantage of the opportunity to hear and um, learn. Definitely. 
Definitely. And then the first of the month, uh, Board of Health meets, um, usually briefly, but it's an insightful session. And I tend to cover that from a Franklin Matters and public radio perspective. Mm -hmm. That's on Wednesday, followed by the Economic Development Subcommittee. And there's a couple of interesting topics there. Emory, you want to go first on the guide? I think that's the first yeah. one on the agenda. So um, we've been uh, working on creating a business guide for the town of Franklin, which was actually one of the recommended steps in the uh, MAPC market study. Um, one of the first ones we decided to you know, jump on and, and work towards having completed uh, as soon as possible. The timing is is great, you know, as mm -hmm. we're hoping things are going to begin to open up and you know, maybe there'll be some movement and, and some things happening uh, in an economic development, um, from an economic development perspective. Uh, but the guide is intended to um, really help people who are looking to open a business, expand a business, um, you know, develop businesses in Franklin uh, to provide um, a framework and uh, a go-to of what to do first, what to do second, who do you reach for this, um, and just really help people along the way. There's a lot that goes into opening a business, and there's mm. a lot of people that you have to work with. There's a lot of different yeah. departments, and providing a roadmap um, and really giving people those insights that they can take the time to read at home and, and not have to feel like they're constantly trying to chase people down. It's going to be like a super helpful way for people to know exactly who to contact to get what they want to get what they need and to understand uh, how franklin does business and mm -hmm. that we're here to help and that we provide you know excellent customer service and um i think it's just going to be a really helpful way to market our um all the great things that franklin offers to the business community yeah, and there's at least one or two businesses I know that have expressed some concerns because they started somewhere and then we're finding out, oh, they need to do this. Oh, they need to do this. Having this all in one place would give them a better starting point. So having it fresh in their mind, they may be able to provide some great insights in terms of, yeah, that covers everything. I've Oh, I've, I've still missed one. I got to go check. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't occur. But if it does, at least we'll figure out now before. Exactly. And I mean, every business is unique. Um, you know, everyone will have their own little, um, you know, maybe some tweaks that depending sure. upon what people are trying to do, yeah. but this really does provide them with, um, all the information at their at their fingertips, you know, from from uh, the zoning code, so they can figure out, you know, okay, where if this is the type of business I'm I'm opening, I have to check the zoning, and then who to contact if they have questions, uh, and just puts it sort of in as best as possible, the, the chronological order in which they mm -hmm. would need to work. Right. Um, obviously, sometimes there's, you know, twists and turns and pivots, depending upon what what's happening. But again, we're hoping that it really helps uh, people who want to come here and do business here, expand business here um, as a as a strong resource for them. Good. Yeah, I just saw the link, so I'll be going into it to uh, check it out myself. <laughs> it is still in draft form. I understand <laughs> it's, uh, that. Well, it's that's close, it's, it's good it's... for review because you you know rather than publishing and then feedback. having to make changes. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, a lot that was of, exactly um, a lot the of... idea, Steve. It yeah. really was. You know, is to kind of get something out there and see what folks think and and then take it from there. You know, yeah, not... it's much better to have kind of the straw man, and this is certainly much more than the straw man in the brief view of it that I did see. But as opposed to coming to a whiteboard and then having people struggling to say, well, yes, add this, add this, you've at least done some due diligence and okay, let's validate it. That's going to be much quicker. Yeah, looking for reactions. You know, what do people think? And then if they have something to mm -hmm. react to. So good, good, good. 
And I think also on that, you've got, Jamie, the uh, a retry or a bring back on, it looked like the uh, food trucks and the bylaw around the uh, uh, farmer's alcohol license. Yeah, so what we, um, you know, we had that hearing, if you will, uh, with the EDC, with Councillor Hamlin, uh, Councillor uh, Basanti, Councillor Fangillo, Councillor Jones. Um, and uh, we heard a lot of great uh, testimony from uh, Glenn Farmer, um, um, 67 Degrees, um, La Cantina, and many others uh, who own some food trucks in town. Yeah, so food we're bringing truck a, owner, actually, yes. That yep, was a good one. a couple one. food truck owners. Um, yep. uh, so we're, we're looking to put a package before the EDC to uh, eliminate the uh, percentage requirement um, for tasting rooms at the um, at the brewery distillery bylaw why um simply because you know they're going to have to any applicant would have to go through the planning board anyways um and so it allows a lot more flexibility for businesses to be able to uh, maybe do 33 percent 50 percent the irony of it all is is that you can't ever really actually have a hundred percent because the state law requires you to manufacture and consume what's on site mm -hmm. if you have this particular type of uh, license. So, right. um, you know, that will be a challenge for some, um, but who am I to say, or who are we to say? Uh, most people don't understand that when we first went through this, um, the reason why we did have 20%, 25% was twofold. One, um, the very mature communities uh, out there like Framingham did actually have similar uh, bylaws on the books. Um, Many, we did find many smaller breweries and smaller communities actually had no requirements like the Milford, Bridgewater, right. Canton. Um, and uh, what we realized was, is that we were trying to different to make uh, parallel um, the manufacturing uh, accessory use for uh, all other types of business. And this was the threshold. Um, but I thought the hearing at the EDC was illuminating to many about some of the challenges that they're having in this uh, pandemic world and likely post-pandemic world. And, um, you know, as a, as a general kind of laissez-faire guy, I mean, I think, you know, allowing them to kind of conform the space to how they want in terms of manufacturing the tasting room is something that will hopefully allow them to thrive. And I think they were quite passionate about it. Additionally, the food truck issue, you know, we took a big leap uh, forward a couple of years ago with creating food truck friendly zones on the common. Um, we've gone back to work with the town attorney um, to uh, work within the confines of the current bylaw system. There won't really need to be any bylaw amendments relative to food trucks, with the exception of um, we are allowing them through current bylaw standards to have um, food trucks on private property. Um, and if they're open to the public, um, they'll be required to have a maximum of two events per week and uh, a nominal fee um, will need to be charged for the processing of those permits um, in, in our office. Um, all in all, this has been something the town, a lot of people in Franklin have wanted for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so we do have still a dedicated public space for food trucks and Ryan will be uh, having food trucks this year at the Constant Common. Um, and so there is a zone for public space on the town common and for those private business owners who have wanted to use a food truck either for employees. Um, you know, I can certainly name uh, for the students at Dean College, 
Um, I know there's uh, been some talk, uh, many businesses you know, like the Black Box and Port Richards have asked at downtown partnership meetings. Sure. Yeah. Uh, a variety of folks have asked to have a food truck in their property. Well, this will give them a license to do so. Um, they're just going to have to make sure that they don't um, sell the same type of food product um, as what might be within their 500 foot distance. So um, this should greatly expand the concept of food trucks to a lot more folks in Franklin. And um, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll be able to get the support of the Economic Development Committee um, who then traditionally recommends and doesn't recommend policies to the council uh, for their consideration. So um, hopefully just in the nick of time of summer, Steve, maybe we can get a few food A little bit of preparation makes <laughs> things a lot easier, that's for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. And then eventually that will go to a town council meeting, as I think you mentioned. And coincidentally, the economic development leads into a council meeting the same night. So. It does. Uh, uh, this this week on the third, busy day. Board of Health, yep. Economic Development Committee, Business Guide, food trucks, uh, distilleries, breweries. I'll be back to back to back that night. And then the council uh, will be discussing. Yeah, right. We'll be discussing the um, just the status of the um, the MBTA station in downtown. It's on the annual goals, uh, and uh, while we've been waiting for some other. Uh, uh, policy discussion at the council level. Um, we thought this would be a good opportunity, a uh, slower meeting, to have a discussion about the downtown uh, the station. Um, as you can see in the packet, uh, we've written letters. Um, we've advocated to fix the stairs, fix the platform, make it ADA accessible, fix the, the uh, structure there. Um, we've had meetings on site. Um, and so we'll see what the council believes uh, are maybe some next steps on the downtown station. So that's the big highlight of the town council meeting this week on March 3rd. Yep, indeed. So a lot coming, still a lot underway. And oh, by the way, yes, we still are in a pandemic. So masks, hand washing, and all that kind of good stuff following Ben's process is helpful. It'll keep Stay us all healthy so apart. we can. Ben will remind us all. Ben will remind us. <laughs> and then we'll be able to, as hopefully summertime really start enjoying the warmer weather when it gets here but um we still going to be patient until then so absolutely thank you very much for taking your time today to talk franklin and i look forward to doing this in another two weeks again but thank you thank you steve our pleasure as always steve for the chat thank everybody for listening we are now producing this in collaboration with franklin tv and franklin public radio this podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.